Do you have the mindset of a top technician? Well, if not, you're gonna learn how to get it on today's show. Now, before we roll in today's show, if you're not signed up for any events, whether that's in person or a virtual event, take a look at the event calendar at events.mycontractuniversity and get signed up. They're all absolutely free for all members, so take advantage of it and sign up for classes today. Well, let's get started with today's show. Today, we're going to be starring me, yours truly, Weldon Long. I'm going to dive into what it takes to be a top performing technician. Take it away, me. I'm really glad to be here, but I just want to talk about what it takes to be the, the very, very best at what you do. Uh, obviously, as a service technician, you know, in, in, in my world, in my contracting world, uh, I've been in the contracting world for 20 years. I've owned half a dozen different companies. I own a company today, you know, so it's a business that I'm in, in addition to my writing and my speaking, you know, I'm actively involved in the contracting world. And I will tell you that service technicians have a little bit of a special place in my heart because, you know, there's two groups of people that bring money into the company, our comfort advisors and our, and our service technicians, right? Everybody else, you know, is overhead, basically. You guys bring money in, everybody else takes it out. And uh, when you think about the role of a service technician, it's so important because not only are you doing revenue generation, but you perform that critical role for all of us, which is lead generation with your tech turn leads. Ask any comfort advisor on the planet, and they're going to tell you the best leads in the world are the, are the ones that come from the service department, from the best technicians. So I appreciate the hard work that you do. And what I want to talk about today is what, you know, I've learned that we can do to even get better. And it's what I call this top technician mindset. When I talk about mindset, I'm talking about the mindset that is geared and programmed to expect great things. The mindset that is designed to overcome adversity and challenges. You know, every time you walk into a house, you're going to face challenges. You got homeowners that don't want to spend money. They want to get three bids. They want to postpone the purchase, you know, whatever the case may be, but you've got those obstacles. And every day you go in there, you overcome those obstacles and you achieve greatness in your role as, as a technician. And so when you think about what you do in the house, there's really two things going on at any given time when you're on a service call. There's what you're doing, right? Uh, what I call your mechanical magic, where you perform your diagnostics and so on and so forth and, you know, find out problems and discover solutions for your homeowners and different types of things. So there's what you're doing is really, really important. And many of you may be familiar with the video. If you get a chance, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and just search Weldon Long Power Plant. And there's about a three minute video that talks about the fact that you get paid not just for what you do, right? But you get paid for what you know. And when you walk into a situation, you probably all had the situation happen before you go in uh, on, on a home and you walk in the door and the homeowner, you know, says the system's downstairs and you go down there and it takes you about 10 minutes to figure out what's going on. And you come back to the homeowner and you say, well, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, here's the problem. Here's the cost of the repair. And oh, here's a $79, $89 diagnostic fee. And the homeowner says, $89 diagnostic fee, man, you weren't down there but 10 minutes right? As if they would somehow be better served if it took you two hours to figure out what the problem was. The fact that you can do it in 10 minutes is to their benefit. That's part of the value that you provide. And think about why you can do that diagnostic in 10 minutes. It's because of your years of training and experience, those expensive diagnostic tools uh, on your tool belt or in your tool bag. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And that's why I say you don't, you don't just get paid for what you do, you get paid for what you know. That's part of the attitude, the mindset that I'm talking about in this role as a service technician. You got to have your swagger, right? And I'm not talking about, 
you know, uh, being obnoxious and arrogant. I'm talking about being confident, strong, and, and, and have faith in your decisions, faith in your recommendations. So the key is how do we create the mindset that is going to make us successful? I'm going to share my screen here. So I want to talk to you about what it takes to create what I call the prosperity mindset. So I, I've written several books, and uh, th these are books about overcoming adversity, about having the right mindset, about having the right selling process. And today I'm going to talk to that Talked about that one there in the far right with that ugly, ugly yellow cover. I did not design that cover. The publisher liked the cover. They loved the cover. I hated the cover, but uh, I'm just the author. Right? The publisher makes all the big decisions. Uh, but we're going to talk about the power of consistency. If you look there at the subtitle, Prosperity Mindset Training for Sales and Business Professionals, that's what you are, a sales and business professional. And so we want to have the mindset, what I call the top tech mindset, that is going to help you be the top producer and get the maximum kind of benefit out of your eight hours a day or 10 hours a day, whatever you're working. You know, the key to, 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 to growing income, to creating wealth, it's not about running, you know, more calls because you can only work so many hours a day. It's about being more productive on the calls that you're on. And so I want to talk to you about how you do that and a little bit about where I come from. This is a letter I got back in 2009. Uh, when my first company, my very first HVAC company was selected by Inc. Magazine as one of the fastest growing in the company, uh, uh, fastest growing companies in the country. That same year, I wrote my first book, The Upside of Fear. And The Upside of Fear is a little book about my life and all the craziness in my life. And uh, it really changed the course of my life because when I wrote this first book, I started spending more time speaking and training, doing the things that we do today. And uh, this book is about my life. And the reason it's about my life is not because the business success uh, really, it's more about the mindset that I developed. You see, uh, if you go back to when I when I started that first HVAC company, which was in 2004, if you go back just 18 months before that to January of 2003, uh, I was living in a homeless shelter. And, and when I tell you I was living in a homeless shelter and I was broke and I was homeless, it's it's not a metaphor. Like, it's a real thing, right? Like, this is the actual building, the actual halfway house I was living in in January of 2003. And at that point, I had no money. I had no home. I had no car. I had no family. I didn't have jack squat. I had destroyed everything in my life. I was almost 40 years old when I was living there. And uh, as bad as that is, that's actually kind of a step up for me uh, because I had just been released from prison. Uh, I spent 13 years in federal and state prison between 1987 and 2003. We don't have time to go into all the knucklehead stuff that I did. Uh, if you're that interested, you could pick up a copy of The Upside of Fear. I think you can get the audio for 99 cents on Amazon. Uh, I must make about three cents on that or something. I'm not sure, but whatever. But if you want to, you know, hear the whole crazy story, that book was a, 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 a in my first book, The Upside of Fear. It was uh, an award-winning book, the New York Book Festival Best Autobiography, Writer's Digest Best Book of the Year. It's, a, it's an entertaining, entertaining book. But from 87 to 93, I spent 13 years. There's about 16 years there. I spent 13 of those 16 years in and out of prison. And so I was a real first-class knucklehead. I spent the majority of my 20s and 30s in places like this. This is uh, Territorial State Prison down in Canyon City, Colorado. Not a very nice place. And, and today my life looks a lot different, right? My life is very, very different than it was when I was alone in that shelter or alone in a prison cell. And what I want to talk to you today is about how that changed and how you can, you can take what I learned and apply it to be the very best. I've had an extremely successful business career, consulting, speaking, writing career. I've earned millions of dollars in this HVAC business in the last 20 years. And I started as a comfort advisor, right? I started just at the basics and I worked my way up and eventually opened my own company and different things and then got into the consulting. And 
people ask me, like, how do you go from, you know, it was a ninth grade high school dropout, ended up going to prison the first time at 23, got out about at the age of 27, went back at 29, 30, got out again at 30, and then went back at 30. I mean, he's in and out for all these crazy years, but total spent 13 years walking prison yards. Like, how does that ninth grade high school dropout knucklehead convict, how does that guy turn around and build a life of wealth and prosperity and happiness and just like a really, really great life? And I think it's an important question because if I can, in the time we have together, if I can demonstrate to you, you know, what it is that I did, how it happened, then uh, you can apply that into your life and into your career specifically, the top tech mindset. It's all about mindset. That's, that's what I tell people, you know, when I, when I figured this thing out, I didn't get any smarter. I didn't get any luckier. I damn sure didn't get any younger or better looking, but I changed my mindset. And when I changed my mindset, everything else changed. The mindset's the one thing you can change. It changes everything. Because when you change how you think, you change how you feel. When you change how you feel, you change what you do. When you change what you do, you change what you get. You know, Emerson said, we become what we think about all day long, right? You got to understand that your results at the kitchen table, your results in the house with a homeowner, they're all products of your expectations. I'm going to show you here with this wheel here in just a second what I mean, but they're all products of your expectations. And here's the thing I learned. You got to write this down, at least remember it, that your results in life, your sales results in life, your sales results, your performance as a service technician will never accidentally exceed your expectations. In other words, you're never going to accidentally do better than you expect to do. And your expectations are limited by only one thing, and that's your imagination. So you got to understand you're never going to accidentally accomplish more than you set out to accomplish. Right. Think about something that you accomplished in your life that you're really proud of. Maybe you built a hot rod or maybe it was a project in school. Maybe they added a deck to your house, whatever it is. Just think about something that you accomplished that you're really proud of. Right? It could be being a parent, being a spouse, anything you're proud of. That did not happen by accident. That came as a consequence of you focusing on a particular objective, a goal and executing. The question is, how do I get focused on being a top performing service technician and execute on that every single day? You know, a lot of you probably came to this training today and said, dang, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to, to, to be a better technician. Well, you're going to learn, but it's probably not what you expected because I'm not worried about what you're doing. You know what you're doing. I'm worried about what you're thinking because if you're thinking the right things on a consistent basis, you're doing the right things on a consistent basis you're going to produce consistently awesome results, right? You, you simply cannot do the right things and think the right things and accidentally produce wrong results. Doesn't work that way, right? So let's talk about what happened, what I learned, how you can apply that just to be awesome. Awesome as a service technician, awesome as a parent, awesome as a spouse, awesome as an employee or employer, whatever the situation is, maybe you're a manager, whatever you are. I mean, I'm a firm believer that whatever we're doing, we might as well be great at it. Like if I don't have the desire to be great at what I'm doing, I might as well go do something else. You know, I need to find something I want to be great at. And I, I, I consider myself to be great at writing. You know, my books have done very well. The Power of Consistency in New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. Uh, in my speaking, I, I work as hard as I can to be the very best because I want to be great at it. And I want you to want to be great at being a service technician, right? You got to want to be great. 
So let's talk about what happened. So I went to prison twice in the late 80s and early 90s. Did about six and a half years in the state of Colorado. Was a complete knucklehead. Hadn't learned anything. Came out of prison both times. A bigger jerk than when I went in. Just an obnoxious garden variety punk. And in 1996, I went back to prison the third time. When I went back the third time, I went to the federal joint on federal money laundering and mail fraud charges. And I had to go to the federal joint for seven years. So I was 32 years old when I went back to prison the third time. I wouldn't get out till I was 40. But something happened in that period that really changed my life. And it all happened on June 10th of 1996. June 10th of 1996, I was just starting seven years in the federal joint. And on June 10th, my father died. I got the news my father died. It was very unexpected. Uh, he was 59 years old, reasonably good health, but just had a little bit of a problem with his ticker and just it got him. <laughs> And so I remember when my dad died, like the last thing that my dad knew about me, I mean, my dad went to prison with, or went to his grave with me in prison again. And it really bothered me that my dad just kind of knew me as this obnoxious loser. And at the time I had a three-year-old son because I'd fathered a son while I was out on parole. So I was, my three-year-old son had abandoned, my dad was dead and I decided I was going to make a change. And so I, uh, I, I got this bright idea that I was going to find out what really successful people do and start doing that, whatever that was. I didn't know I was, had nothing but time to figure it out. So I started reading books. I started getting any book I could find about the mindset, about sales, about business, about success, and just started reading everything. And I, I strongly encourage everybody watching today to start reading 15 minutes a day, right? Just 15 minutes a day. Now I read for hours a day in the penitentiary, but I had nothing but time on my hands. You got a job and a family and, you know, softball, bowling, whatever your thing is, but 15 minutes a day, you can find to read 15 minutes, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, whatever, doesn't matter. If you read 15 minutes a day, you're going to read the average 200 page business book in a month. If you do that every night before you went to bed or every morning when you got up, that would be 10, 12, 14 new books every single year on sales, business development, mindset, all the things you got to be good at to be good at your job. If you're going to be a professional, if you want to be a professional, there's like a standard of behavior that goes with being a professional. Think about a professional, you know, doctor, dentist, lawyer, football player, baseball player. Like there's a certain expectation that comes with being a pro, right? First and foremost, it's about taking your job seriously and constantly improving, right? They call it practice. They call it, um, uh, ongoing education, right? Continuing education for business professionals, lawyers, whatever. In sports, they call it practice. It's the same thing, right? So you got to constantly bettering yourself. If you're not investing 15 minutes a day reading a book on mindset or sales or business development, you're not really serious about being the very best because you can't be the very best without doing some ongoing training and ongoing development, ongoing work. So I start reading these books, and I start stumbling into this concept of what I refer to as the prosperity mindset, the millionaire mindset, the top tech mindset. I started running into this concept and I remember the first little inkling I had of it. I came across a, a quote from a guy named Frederick Nietzsche. Now Nietzsche was a, uh, a, a German kind of philosopher kind of guy. And he wrote that we attract that which we fear. And I remember reading that the first time, we attract that which we fear. And to be honest with you, I thought it was nonsense. Like, why in the world would I attract things into my life that I fear, things that I don't want, bad things, right? So I kind of dismissed it. A couple of months later, that same summer, this was in 1996, 
I'm flipping through the pages of the Bible. I come across a scripture in Job. Job says, Father, that which I have feared has come upon me. And I thought for a second, well, dang, that, that's a lot like what Nietzsche said, right? Now, Nietzsche was an atheist, right? Job was a God-fearing man. They were separated by theology and philosophy and thousands of years, by the way, and they were saying the exact same thing, right? That, you know, we attract that which we fear, that which I have feared has come upon me. So I started thinking about it, and I sat down at the little metal desk in my cell, and I started writing out all the things I feared the most. And the first thing on that list was losing my son, you know, being broken, homeless my whole life, living in prison, dying in prison, just being a loser. And I wrote it all down, and I realized that was a perfect picture of my life. It's exactly what I was doing. I had managed to attract the things that I feared the most, right? All the chaos in my brain was somehow showing up in my life. And so it got me to thinking. It's what I now call it got me to thinking about what I think about before I think about it, right? you got to learn to think about what you're thinking about before you think about it. And when you understand the power of your thoughts, which we're fixed to get into, you'll understand how important this is. So I'm going through this process, and then I come across a quote in a, in a book called Man's Search for Meaning, written by a guy named Viktor Frankl. Frankl was a psychiatrist who was in the concentration camps in World War II. And Frankl wrote that fear may come true. So I keep getting the same message, right? We attract that which we fear, that which I have feared has come upon me, fear may come true. And I realized somehow that I was creating this miserable existence for myself by having really crappy expectations, expecting bad things to happen, right? So I started thinking, well, maybe I better start thinking about something else. When I started thinking about what I'm thinking about before I thought about it, I realized what I need to do is to start thinking about something else. So I sat down at the same little metal desk and I wrote out what a perfect life for me would look like. And I mean, I was dreaming big, you know, first thing I wrote down is uh, I'm an awesome father to my son. I wrote down that I was wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. I wrote down that I had a beautiful house in Colorado, a beautiful house in Maui, a beautiful wife I could love and trust. And even wrote, this is the craziest thing I wrote down. I wrote down that I'm a man of honor, character, and integrity. I was a career felon, third time in prison, total loser. And here I was talking about character, honor, integrity. I had a better chance of getting struck by lightning and winning the lottery the same day than any of those things happening. But I decided I was going to dream big. I read in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey said, uh, you don't have to live out of your past. You can live out of your imagination. I'm like, wow, that sounds pretty good because my past sucks. My imagination, I can imagine amazing things. So I wrote that list out. I put toothpaste on the back of that sheet of paper. I stuck it in the wall of my cell. And I spent the next seven years reviewing that list and picturing that list, imagining being that person, having that life. And what I didn't know at the time is that little by little, I was changing the neural pathways in my brain. I started adopting new thinking patterns, new habitual thought patterns. It took a while. You know, we all know that it takes about 30 days for something to become a habit, right? You've probably heard that a million times in your life. Takes about 30 days for something to become a habit. Do you ever wonder why that is? Well, I wondered about it, so I did some research on it one time. And what I found out is that it takes the brain about 30 days to carve a new neural pathway. It's a very famous study that NASA did way back in the day. And they wanted to get these astronauts prepared for spaceflight. All right. Now they didn't have an actual zero gravity chamber. So what they did, they put these astronauts in this mock-up spacecraft, this fake spacecraft, and they put goggles on them that inverted their vision 180 degrees. So everything was upside down. And they had to wear these things 24-7 for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they had to learn how to operate their spacecraft 
with these goggles on, right? Because they wanted them to be able to operate it. They got hit in the head and they were kind of woozy or if they were floating around, they had to be able to operate this spacecraft in, from many different perspectives. So this was one of them. So they put the goggles on, they put them in the spacecraft. After 25 days, one of the astronauts comes back to the researchers and says, hey, we got a problem here. My vision has corrected itself. They said, that's insane. It can't happen. Within three or four days, every astronaut in the study experienced the same phenomenon. Their vision corrected itself. And what they eventually learned is that it takes the brain about 30 days to carve a new neural pathway. You see, your brain is not hard like this table. Your brain is soft and pliable. The younger you are, the softer it is. As we get old, we become hard-headed. That's why we call old people hard-headed, right? It's hard to teach an old dog new trips because literally your brain hardens as you get older. The good news is the average adult can change their mindset, can change their pathways, neural pathways. And, and neural pathways are just like they're little highways for your thoughts, right? Think about a highway system with cars running down it. Well, that's what you got in your brain. You got a highway system in your brain. It's called neural pathways. And instead of cars going down those neural pathways, you have thoughts flying down those things, but you can change them. It takes about 30 days to grow a new neural pathway. It takes the brain about 30 days to catch up. By the way, in the study with the astronauts, when they took the goggles off, guess what happened? Everything was upside down. It took them another 30 days to correct the vision because the body and the brain knew where gravity really was because they were not in zero gravity. So it took the brain 30 days to, to, to fix the vision, to correct the vision, because it just takes about 30 days to catch up. So that's why it takes about 30 days. So as I began to review that list in my cell, uh, it took a while for my brain to change. But over time, it did. And I, I started thinking new habitual thoughts. And I want to talk to you about this wheel here I have on the screen, because this is really what happens. It's what happened in my brain. It's what happens in everybody's brain. So at the very top of this wheel, you see where you have thoughts. You got to realize that the thoughts... The things in your head are the foundation of everything that you are, your thoughts, your beliefs, your expectations. And when you have a thought, any thought, it sends a chemical or a little lightning bolt across your brain to a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. When the hypothalamus gets that impulse from the thought, it secretes a chemical that triggers the corresponding emotion. Understand that your brain is this very powerful electromagnetic field, like they can measure the electromagnetic activity in your brain. And when you have a thought, it's like a bolt of electricity shooting across your brain, shooting down one of those neural pathways. And it goes into the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus receives the impulse and begins to secrete chemicals that trigger the corresponding emotion. This is very important. The thought sends a signal that triggers the chemicals that creates the emotions that you're feeling in any particular moment. So in other words, if you have a very happy thought, warm and loving, you're at Thanksgiving, you see all your family and you're thinking happy, warm things, your brain starts producing dopamine and endorphins and your emotional state is happy and loving. Your emotional state follows the thought. The emotional state doesn't happen in a vacuum just randomly. It's strictly a chemical reaction of what you're thinking. If you get very angry, you get very mad about something, your brain starts producing epinephrine and adrenaline and you feel very angry and mad, right? So the emotions that you experience in any given moment are simply reflection of the habitual thoughts. They're producing the chemicals. Now, once you experience an emotion, that drives some behavior, some actions. And of course, the actions produce the results. So this cycle happens, neuroscientists estimate this little cycle happens 30,000 times a day for the average human being. 30,000 times a day, you have a thought, triggers a corresponding emotion, triggers a behavior, produces some type of result. Over and over 30,000 times a day. It's crazy. The net result of those 30,000 decisions every single day eventually create your life. So here's what you got to understand. 
your actions and your emotions chemically, physiologically, neurologically, your actions and your emotions are simply a reflection of what you're thinking. But here's the important part. You should probably write this down too. Your actions and your emotions are a reflection of your thoughts, even if your thought is wrong. In other words, you can have a false thought. You can believe a lie. You can believe something that's not true. And even though it's not true, it still produces the corresponding emotions and behaviors and results as if it were true. I'll give you a couple of examples. Suppose you're walking out of a theater. As you're walking across the theater parking lot, you got your spouse, a couple little kids with you. You're walking towards your car and some guy comes running towards you. He's screaming at you and he's running right towards you. He's got a knife in his hand. He's got the knife up high. He's covered in blood and he's running at you and your family as if he really intends to do you some harm. Your thought is immediately danger, danger, danger. Within a nanosecond, your hypothalamus is producing epinephrine and adrenaline. Now, what's your emotional state? You're angry. You're scared, right? You had a scary, angry thought. Now you have a scary, angry emotion, right? It's a chemical reaction. It happens like that. So now you're angry and you're scared. This guy's coming running towards you. You got to do something. You got to have some kind of behavior. That emotion, that angry, fearful emotion drives a behavior. Well, you got two choices, right? Fight or flight. You got to fight the dude or you got to run. Well, you decide very quickly you can't run because you got little kids and they can't outrun this dude. So you decide in that nanosecond, you got to fight, right? Right on, power to you. So as the guy comes towards you and your family, you kind of step out towards him to put some distance between him and your family. He comes at you, he's got the knife up, you swing, you catch him in the jaw, bam, you drop him like a sack of potatoes. What's the result? You protected your family. Congratulations, you're my freaking hero, right? So far, so good. Until the police show up. And when the popo shows up, you realize that you misinterpreted the situation. Turns out the guy was no threat to you whatsoever. The knife was fake. The blood was fake. He was running across the parking lot to meet some friends to go to a Halloween party. You misinterpreted the situation. Your thought was wrong. Your thought was a lie. He was no danger to you whatsoever. You assaulted a perfectly innocent teenager based on your false thought. But here's the question. Even though the thought turned out to not to be true, how real were the emotions you felt when it was happening? Very, very real emotions. How real were the actions you took, right? When you swung and connected with his jaw? Very, very real. How real is the result of his broken jaw? Very real. You see, this is what happens in life. Your mother told you to be careful what you wish for because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you have a thought, it triggers the corresponding emotions and behaviors results that makes it come true, even though the thought was wrong. Even though the thought is wrong or a lie or BS, it still drives our emotions, our actions, and results. Well, how does that affect us in our job? Well, I'll tell you how it affects you in your job. Suppose that your basic thought, your basic belief is that people just don't like salespeople. People just want a cheap price. They don't want to hear about the value. In fact, Jessica, if you could, I've got a little survey question I'd like to take for you guys and the esteemed and lovely Jessica is going to bring that up for us. I don't know if I got to stop sharing my screen, Jessica, or what. Yeah, here we go right here. So there's, I want you guys, somebody, if you're in a group, have somebody go up to the computer. You're by yourself, obviously. So what I want you to do is what are your thoughts on sales? Select one of the following. Number one, it's an honorable profession. Number two, it's a necessary evil. Number three, avoid it at all cost. And number four, it's the devil's work. 
I want you to check on that, check one of those boxes there. And we will give this thing just a minute, reach up and check any one of those as you describe sales. And we're going to track these results. The poll is in progress. We are collecting responses. Uh, wow, right now, 57% honorable profession. I knew I liked this group. 37, necessary evil. <laughs> 2% avoid at all costs. So we got a lot of necessary evils, but the vast majority, almost two thirds of you, 61% said honorable profession. And I like to hear that. So there's the final results right there. 62% honorable profession. There's on your screen. 36% necessary evil and 2% avoid all costs. And thank God no one's doing the devil work in this group. So I really like this group. Well, that was some awesome content right there, if I do say so myself. Now listen, be sure and share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, click on the button below, get a free trial for 30 days, which will give you access to all of our training here on Contract University. And that's it for this week. Until next time, my friends, bye-bye for now.